Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. So this is the second week in the series on identity. Who enjoyed it last week? If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, Pastor Ben titled his message last week, Handmade. And what we learn is that we're not just here by accident. We're just not the product of random evolutionary processes. Amen. But, but we were all handmade by God. Like you were handmade by God. You are not an accident. Oh no. God knows you. He deliberately made you. And um, I just can't help but feel um, that the Holy Spirit has an agenda tonight. And that's to see people get free. I think when you talk about the topic of identity, anything can happen. Because I think the root cause for a lot of our problems, to be honest, a lot of the things that we carry, a lot of the addictions that we have, when you trace it back to the root, usually the problem lies somewhere within our identity. And we have a personal truth that isn't a real truth that needs to be dealt with. Um, So I'm really believing tonight that the Holy Spirit's going to deal with some people's hearts and that we're all going to leave a little bit lighter. Does that sound good? Come on. So I'm really excited. Um, If my message had a title, it would be handpicked. So last week it was handmade. Today we're going to learn about the significance of being chosen by God. Anyone here married? Few people few people. few people are very excited about it. Yeah. Clearly, first year? Uh, the first three months. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, before I got married, I thought I was normal. <laughs> I thought that, like, I didn't have any weird habits or anything like that. I thought that I was a totally normal person But pretty much as soon as I got married, I started to realize that I had some issues because my beautiful wife would let me know about them. And one of the things that I realized is that it's not okay to pick your nails. I realized that that is actually a disgusting habit, right? Does anyone pick their nails here? Oh, come on. We got honesty in the room tonight. Fantastic. So... You know what? I tell you what's worse than not picking your nails. Being a man of God and allowing your nails to grow really long. Like that's weird, right? Have you ever shaken a guy's hand and you feel a little scratched and you look at their nails and they're really long and there's like dirt under them? It's like, whoa, just, just fresh from digging the grave of their last victim. That's sometimes what I think when I see that. Um, you know, there are some pretty messed up habits that we have, right? Like picking my nails, I didn't realize it was a weird thing until my beautiful wife told me that that's not okay. Um, And I'm still learning to use the nail clippers for that. Still, it's a process with God. Um, But there can be worse habits, right? Like there are worse things that you can pick. I know there's some people in here and you're still picking your nose and eating it, right? And some of you are so sadistic that you're picking your nose, you're rolling up into a little ball still and flicking it at you. you. Maybe you've already done it once tonight. You've flicked it at your neighbor, right? Did anyone ever do that when they were a little kid? 
come on. You haven't lived until you've done that as a little kid. I'm telling you right now. Like the truth is, every single person here, I know you've got some weird habits. You've got some weird habits. You've got some disgusting habits. We all do. It's because we're, we're humans, right? We're not perfect. So we've got some weird habits. And we also think some messed up stuff too. So we've got weird habits and we also think some weird things, some gross things. And the amazing thing is, is that our God didn't just make us, right? And then just leave us. And then he's going to come back at the end of our life to kind of be there for that. That's not the way that God operates. God made you, he handmade you, and he has never left you. If you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, guess what? Like God is, he still sees everything, right? He, he, he is still close to you, whether or not you want him to be, right? Because our God is a close God. So he sees all of our disgusting stuff, all of our habits. He knows all of our thoughts, all of them, all of them. Even the ones that you wouldn't tell anyone because it's like, it's, it's not okay that you're thinking those things, right? Like God sees it all. And even though God sees it all, he inspired the Apostle Paul to write this in Ephesians. Let me read it to you. This is Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read to you verses 3 to 6. It starts off by saying, blessed be. Now in the Hebrew, blessed be there, it's an expression of praise, which means what's coming next, we're supposed to get excited about. So get ready to get excited, Bright Church. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Those are three verses that we can get pretty excited about. That is profound right there. And if there was a main theme running throughout those three verses, it would be this. You are valued by God. And you're not valued by God because you're great. We've just established, right? We've got some weird habits. We've got disgusting things in our life. We think disgusting thoughts. God sees it all. And yet we are valuable. So how does that work? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, God has made you valuable. God has made you valuable. You are so valuable. But even though God has made us valuable and even though he sees us as valuable, so often we struggle to see the value. So often we struggle to see the value in ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever keep people at a distance because you are scared? If they knew the real you, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. Anyone in here, if being really honest, there are some things you, you just don't let people in, right? You don't let people in because deep down, it's like, gosh, if they really knew, right? If they really knew everything about me, warts and all, maybe they wouldn't really accept me the way I am. I think that we all have moments in our life when we can be a little bit like this. And that is because everyone struggles with feelings of inadequacy. Everyone. 
every single person here, I'm sure there have been moments in your life where you have struggled with feelings of inadequacy. And those feelings of inadequacy cause us to want to hide away, right? Hide away from people. I remember when I was 12 years old, I became unwell and I was unwell for a little while to the point where my parents were like, oh, maybe we should take Matt along um, to the doctors and get this checked out. It was a bit of a process, but by the end of it, I was diagnosed with a condition and the condition was inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, right, at the age of 12. And just to catch you up on what that means, basically, it's an immune problem where my body would fight itself, right? So my large intestine, um, would not want to digest the food properly. It would recognize self-proteins as actually not belonging to me. So my body would actually attack my bowel and it would cause it to get really inflamed and really painful and hurt a lot. And that was really hard. It's really hard, guys, to go through high school with a bowel problem, right? <laughs> Can I get like a little bit of love tonight? Like, amen, like that is difficult. So all the way through high school, from the age of 12 to the age of 22, I suffered with, with this, ulcerative colitis, right? And um, I tell you what it caused me to do. It caused me to hide away. So throughout my high school experience, no one really properly knew me because one of the biggest things in my life that I was struggling with, I wouldn't let anyone in because it was embarrassing to me. That was my thing. I wonder what your thing is. So I would hide myself away even from my very best friends. My parents knew, my, my close family members, but even at church, we'll go into church, even church didn't really know that, that much. Have you ever had something that you struggled with so much and you felt kind of inadequate about it that even when, you know, there's opportunities for prayer, right? You kind of go, nah, right? Because you feel so inadequate. That, that was me for, for a long time. And I really struggled with that. And everyone has feelings of inadequacy in certain areas of their life. So like, where does this come from? Why is this the case? Well, when we go to Genesis in chapter three, we see where it all starts. In Genesis chapter three, the fall happens. So before the fall, everything was perfect. Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. It was this amazing place where heaven and earth overlapped. And it talks about how God would actually be with them in the garden and be walking with them in the garden. Could you imagine how amazing that would be? Like we know that God is with us right now, yeah? Um, however, imagine if God was literally like walking with us to the point where we could almost like have conversation, like a literal conversation with him. So the Garden of Eden was this amazing place, heaven and earth overlapping, but then that was all destroyed by what? By sin. So sin entered in. We have original sin. What happened was Adam and Eve chose the serpent, chose to disobey God. God said, hey, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They took the fruit and they ate. And in that moment, sin crept into our world, this world, and impacted it. And we're still dealing with some of the consequences of that. It has damaged us. We, we are a bit broken and it's messed with the human condition. So sin and the impacts of sin, what it does in people is it causes us to want to hide away. So in Genesis 3, 8, what is the first thing Adam and Eve did after they sinned? You can read it. It says that they hid themselves from God. They wanted to hide away. And that's what we want to do, right? With our inadequacies, with our sin, even the impacts of sin in our life, what do we want to do? We want to hide away. But although we can hide ourselves from people, 
we cannot hide ourselves from God. He knows your every action and thought. He knows all of it. He's seen all of it. We can't hide from God. Adam and Eve couldn't hide from God in the garden. And even though God has seen everything and he knows everything, here's the amazing thing. He still loves you and he wants to bless you. Where other people, if they knew everything, they would maybe want nothing to do with you. But, but God, on the other hand, he loves you so much still and he wants to bless you. I remember when I was seven years old, um, I remember a particular Christmas when I went to my grand and my pa's place for lunch. Anyone here go to like family members' places for Christmas at lunch and you hang out, it's awesome, love the food, love the presents, yep. Can I get some hands? Who's excited for Christmas coming up? Who, is, who has already invited someone to the, to the festival? Right, right. Oh, come on. Well done, everybody. If you haven't, please do that. Um, so I remember this particular Christmas because I was really excited for a particular present. Right? The present that I really wanted was a Power Ranger. A Power Ranger. And just as a side note, I think that all electricians should be called Power Rangers. And I think that we need to implement that, that, that straight away. That would be great. Um, this particular Christmas, I really wanted a Power Ranger from my grand and pa. So after lunch, and we were all sitting down ready for our gifts, I was pretty disappointed when I saw my gift roll out. Already I'm thinking, I can't think of any Power Rangers who have wheels for legs. So my Power Ranger rolls out and it's quite big and, and it's got a rug over the top. And I'm just try, I'm trying to believe that it's some real special Power Ranger. But I was, it was false hope because my grand, she pulled off the, um, or my pa pulled off the rug from the gift. And what was it? It was a bike, right? Who wants a bike for Christmas? <laughs> Any normal seven-year-old wants a bike for Christmas, right? But not me. I flipped out. Like I was angry at my grand. I was angry at my pa. I was angry at everybody. And I tell you what I deserved in, my, in that moment. I deserved my grand to come over to me and just give me, give me the old backhand, you know? <laughs> That that's what I deserved from my gran, right? But what actually happened? Well, my gran disappeared for a few minutes and she came back and she had, she had another gift. And she placed it in my hands and I opened it up and it was a Power Ranger. Can you believe that? How amazing are grands and grandmas? Do we, do we have any in the room tonight? We love you. You are amazing. You are amazing. Um, now, that's called grace. When you get what you don't deserve. I, I tell you what I deserved. Like I said, I deserved the backhand. What did I get? The Power Ranger. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. But that's grace. And that is exactly what God does with us. Right? Despite our inadequacy, despite our mistakes, despite our sin... What has God done? He has chosen to bless us. So in Ephesians 1, 3, I want to read it to you again. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. When you do a bit of research and you look this up, you realize that that blessing 
that the Apostle Paul is talking about, that is a blessing, right, that comes with no strings attached. Basically, you don't, you don't have to do anything to deserve that blessing. You get that up front. So we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places up front before we even have to do anything to earn it. And we are chosen by God for this blessing. I think it's very easy to fall into a trap in 2022. And that trap is thinking that we're not blessed, right? Especially Christians, what can happen is we can look at other people, look at other lives, look at what they have, look at what we have and go, oh, I guess they're blessed and I'm not, right? Maybe there's some people here tonight and you're thinking, where's my husband? Maybe there's some guys here tonight. It's like, where's my wife? Right, God, I've been praying for this for a long time. I see other people partnering up. Looks amazing, right? I want some of that in my life. Like, God, where are you? I guess they're blessed. I guess I'm not so blessed. Let's take this a step further. Maybe you can be married, right? And this, this definitely happens. You can be married and you can be really hoping and believing for a family, which is an amazing thing. Really hoping, really believing. And you see other people, right? They're, they're starting to get pregnant, babies, and you're just you're standing there and you've been, you've been trying and it's been really hard. And you look at them and you think, oh, they're blessed. I guess, I guess we're not in that way. But this extends to all different types of examples. Oh, they got the house. We well, didn't get the house. I guess they're blessed. I guess we're not. Oh, they've got the great job. Oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling in my workplace at the moment. Oh, I guess I'm really not that blessed. The Apostle Paul doesn't say that you will be blessed with every physical blessing in the earthly places. All right? So the promise isn't that we're going to get blessed this side of eternity with everything that we want. When we gave our lives to Jesus, we gave our lives to Jesus, right? So, so it's no longer our plan, it's His plan. And that can be really hard sometimes to, to navigate that and wrestle with that. And that's even something that God's doing in my heart at the moment, trying to figure out, okay, God, if I live a really successful life for you, what does that look like? Because sometimes we, we have a standard for success, which is of this world, but God has another standard, which is outside of this world. So what does it really mean to be blessed? Well, it doesn't mean worldly things. We've established that. It's, it's spiritual things. And the blessing that the Apostle Paul is talking about is being blessed in Christ. In other words, blessed with the gospel, blessed with relationship with Jesus. I tell you right now, there is no greater blessing. I would rather have Jesus and nothing else than everything that this world has to offer and not Jesus. Come on, Jesus is the greatest blessing of all blessings. Relationship with Jesus, what does that equate to? Everlasting life, eternal life. And I'll know about you, I would rather that, right, than all of this other stuff that this world can offer me. So the next time you are having this mental struggle thinking, gosh, am I really blessed? I'm really struggling at the moment, like life's really hard. Remember, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What is that blessing? It's the person of Jesus. Say, I am blessed. Say it again like you really mean it. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. 
Come on, sometimes we need to say it to ourselves when we are struggling to believe it. It feels good to be blessed. It feels even better when you know you were deliberately chosen for blessing because now it's personal. You were not blessed with the gospel by accident. You were chosen to be blessed. If anyone's taking notes tonight, and maybe there is no one taking notes tonight, (laughs) but if you were taking notes, you would want to write this down. You are handpicked by God. You have been handpicked for this blessing. It feels so good to be picked, doesn't it? There is nothing better than that feeling, than that sensation of being chosen. I remember in primary school, PE teachers and sport teachers, do we have any in the room tonight? We got a few. I apologize for this next illustration. I remember in primary school, the PE teachers, the sport teachers, in their wisdom, they would get the two most sportiest kids out the front. Then those two popular sporty kids, they would then pick the teams, right? Now there's a lot, there's maybe some trauma in the room from this. So at the end of the service, we will have prayer. Um, And it's one of those moments where you're just hoping, oh, please pick me. Like, please pick me. I do not wanna be last because If you're picked last, that means you're a loser. (laughs) I felt a little bit too hard tonight. It was a little bit nicer, a little bit lighter in the morning. Um, But it's one of those weird feelings. And internally you're thinking, gosh, I really hope I'm not one of the last people to get picked because I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm going to feel like I'm not good enough. I'm going to feel inadequate. So it feels so good to be one of the first people to get picked by the popular people, like by the sporty people. Um, Take this a step further. I I remember when I was in year 10, we did dancing, right? Anyone here like to dance? Dang, I saw some interesting hands just go up then. (laughs) Ones that I did not expect. It's the quiet ones. It's the quiet ones. And I remember we did dancing in, in year 10. And our dance teacher said, okay, girls, I want you to go and choose one of the boys to dance with you. So the girls had to choose the guys. And all of a sudden, all us guys were starting to freak out internally. Because we're just thinking, gosh, if I don't get chosen right now, that's a social death is about to take place. I'm never going to live this down with my buddies. So I remember me and my friends, we kind of huddled together for protection. And, um, and the girls started to come our way. And I'll never forget it. Who was considered the most attractive girl in year 10? She walks over to our group and we're just like looking at each other. Oh my goodness, what is about to happen? And I'll never forget it. She walked over. She grabbed me by the wrist and she said, you're coming with me. (laughs) And she took me. And I I remember looking back and being like, (laughs) to the the other guys, like, oh, good luck, guys. I'm good. Um, And you know what? That developed some pride in my heart that God has been working on ever since to this day. But man, it feels good to be picked. Here's another example. And and this is one for anyone here tonight. You've been in church for a while. You're you're used to it. You're used to how things happen in church. How about getting picked for a prophetic word? Right? Like Pastor Ben gets in the guest preacher. 
Corey Turner. <laughs> and the guest preacher comes up on platform out of the worship. They grab the mic and before they do anything, they say something really deep and spiritual like, you know what, before I get, in my, get into my message tonight, I just felt God really speaking to me. Michael, I have a word for you. <laughs> you know, and everyone's like, ooh, what's going to happen? I guess, Michael, see you later, mate. You're going to Africa or whatever it is, right? Like everyone gets really excited about, about the word that's about to drop. Um, and it's such an amazing feeling because in that moment, you don't just feel great because, you know, you're getting this word and you kind of feel important for a moment. But you also, like this person is giving you a word from God and like it's impossible for them to know the things that they are saying. And it's impossible for them to know the things that are happening in your own heart. So you don't just feel like known by people in that moment. You, you feel seen by God. Yeah. And that feels amazing. Right? It feels incredible. It feels so good to be chosen. It feels so good to be picked, handpicked. Um, even though it feels good to get picked right, by, by the sporty kid, by the popular person, even though it feels good to get picked for the dance, even though it feels good to get picked by the, the amazing man of God or woman of God, the, the preacher, whatever, for a word. Can I just tell you, it's even greater to be handpicked by the creator of the universe, right? So if you're here tonight and you've never felt chosen, like you've never really felt handpicked, you need to know, oh, yes, you are. You've been handpicked by the creator of the universe, right? So all the other people who've been chosen for all those other things in comparison to being handpicked by God means nothing, right? Yeah. Being handpicked by God is one of the most amazing feelings of all. In Ephesians 1.4, the Apostle Paul says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, right? So you were chosen for this blessing, Right? You, you were chosen to have relationship with Jesus before this world was created. Like that is significant. Before you were a thought in your parents' mind, you were chosen. That means it was planned. That means it was intentional. And what were you chosen for? That we should be holy and blameless before him. So you were chosen for the blessing of knowing Jesus, but it also goes on to say that you were chosen, handpicked to be holy and blameless. So this is the moment where we go, uh-oh, maybe God messed up when he chose me. And the reason being is because when you take an audit of your life and you look back, you realize that like, I am blameless. I mean, I, I am to blame, not blameless, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my, wife, my wife knows, like, I'm not blameless. <laughs> you look back on your life, you realize I am to blame, right? It, even today, maybe you've made mistakes. And you also think about, okay, chosen to be holy. And you're like, oh gosh, like, maybe I'm holy compared to some people. But what's the standard here? Other people? No, the standard's Jesus. Perfection. So... If we're chosen to be holy and blameless, how does it work? Because I know I am to blame. I, I know I still make mistakes. I know I'm inadequate, right? And I also know that I am not holy. Like if, holy, if perfection is, is holiness, then I know that I'm not holy. Like maybe I'm getting better, but I know that I'm not holy. So then how does this work? You're not holy and blameless because you are holy and blameless. 
deep, right? <laughs> or should I say, you are not holy and blameless because you are living holy and blameless. You are holy and blameless because Jesus has made you holy and blameless, right? So when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, you're chose for that relationship. When you accept it, what happens is the holy, blameless life of Jesus is imparted onto you. So now when God looks at you, He doesn't see your last stuff up. He doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see the inadequacies. He sees the holy, perfect, blameless life of His Son. That is the lens that God uses when He looks at you. Come on. Understanding that, revelation of that brings freedom. Revelation and understanding of that actually helps us to live more of a holy, blameless life. It's this weird thing. It's like when you try and do it in your own strength, you fail. When you try and not sin in your own strength, it's really hard. When you have revelation that Jesus has moved heaven and earth for you, that you are chosen, that you are handpicked, that you've been made holy and blameless, when that, when that hits you in the heart, when you get a deep understanding of that in your very soul, it transforms you. And over time, you start to live more like Jesus. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that's, I want to live more like Jesus. What is that called? All of this, it's called justification. But there is a little bit of a catch. Although we are all handpicked by God, although you were chosen by God, here's the thing. We need to choose Him back, yeah. right? We need to choose him back. My wife loves weddings. And if you're ever in a conversation with her, and if you ask her why she loves weddings, this is what she'll say. Something along the lines of, because of the commitment, right? Because of the ceremony, because of the beautiful promises, the beautiful vows that takes place, right? Because nothing is more sexy to my wife than commitment. Right? So, so that's why my wife will say that she really loves weddings. But here's the truth. The reason she really loves weddings is because it's an opportunity for her to get me onto the dance floor. <laughs> and I have a confession to make tonight. There have been weddings where my beautiful wife, who I don't deserve, she will come up to me and she'll say, will you dance with me, right? What, what I do is I'll look back and say, no, honey. <laughs> and that is my confession, that there will be moments where I will say no to my beautiful wife when it comes to dancing. But here's the incredible thing. When the next wedding rolls around and it's time for people to dance, like the dance floor opens up, Amy won't go to another guy and be like, my husband is a dropkick. Will you dance with me? Right? She doesn't do that. That's what I deserve. She doesn't do that. What does she do? She, she comes back to me. Right? She'll continue to ask me to dance with her. And why does she do that? Because I'm the one she wants. And I feel like there's some people who really need to hear this tonight. 
he still wants you. Yeah, maybe you've made mistakes, right? Maybe you've chosen him back before, chosen Jesus back, but maybe there's been times where you've let him down and you failed to choose him back in a moment that mattered. But can I just say that once chosen by God, he will never unchoose you. Once chosen by God, always chosen by God. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you. You know, the apostle Peter understood this really well. In Matthew 4, verses 18 to 20, we read about Jesus choosing Peter for the first time. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, that were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. In that moment, what's happening? Jesus is choosing Peter. And just like Jesus chose Peter, Jesus has chosen you too. But then we fast forward 12 chapters and Peter lets Jesus down. You see, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's speaking to his disciples and he's letting them know that in his hour of need, when he really, really needs them, they're going to flee. Jesus uses prophetic imagery. He says that the, the shepherd is going to be struck and the sheep, they're going to flee. And Peter's there and he says, no, I, I'll always be there. Like, I, I won't let you down. Jesus, like the others, maybe they will, but not me. I won't let you down. But Jesus says to Peter, well, to be honest, Peter, you will. You're actually going to deny me three times. And it turns out that's exactly what happens. Peter is confronted on three separate occasions and each time he denies Jesus, he messes up, he makes a mistake. You know, when we're, when we're following Jesus, it's actually, we've got to be intentional. Every single day we need to make a choice that today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And Peter had a little moment there where even though he still loved Jesus, he failed to follow through with, with choosing him back, with following him. But the incredible thing is what happens next in the story of Peter. So when we move to the Gospel of John in chapter 21, we see how Jesus deals with what's happened here. So at this point, Jesus has resurrected. Once again, we find Jesus on the shore calling out to some fishermen. You see Peter and some of the others, they've gone back to fishing. And Jesus calls out to them and they recognise Jesus and they come to shore. They eat together and then Jesus and Peter, they start to walk together. And Jesus has a conversation with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. It's funny how sometimes we can be in love with Jesus, but still let him down. It's interesting how that can happen. And God gets that, like Jesus understood this. So he says to Peter, Peter, tend my sheep. They keep walking and once again, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. He says, well, tend my sheep. They keep walking. Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. 
And the very last thing that Jesus says to Peter is so profound. And this is something that we really got to get today. The last thing he says to Peter is the same as the first thing he said to Peter. He said, follow me. In other words, at the start, Jesus was saying, I choose you. And at the end, Jesus was saying, I choose you. Because what, like Peter was handpicked. You are handpicked by God. And we need to remember that. It needs to be written on our hearts, a part of our identity. Because if we don't know that deep down, when we make mistakes in life, what will happen is we'll start to draw away from Jesus when Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 no. You're still chosen. I still have a plan for you. So if you are here tonight and you're thinking, oh, maybe you're not, worthy anymore of what God is calling you to. Maybe you've made mistakes in the past. I need, you need to know that you are still chosen by God. Once God chooses you, He will never unchoose you. We need to settle it in our hearts today. Once chosen, always chosen. Say, I am still chosen. Say it again. I am still chosen. I want to invite everyone to stand up. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.